0: Welcome to The Wild Kit Way, a podcast that gives the mic to Dr. Marcus Campbell, the superintendent of Evanston Township High School. Join us on this audio journey as Dr. Campbell shares his stories and insights and has honest, real conversations with people who make ETHS and our community the incredible place it is. In this episode, ETHS Superintendent Marcus Campbell sits down with ETHS alum Jackie Newsom to discuss her journey of being a justice seeker. Newsom shares experiences about how school can create spaces and pockets to care about and be connected to the lives of others. Let's get started. You know what-
1: Hello, Wild Kits. Um, This is Dr. Campbell here, Superintendent, Adamson Township High School, and I am just delighted to have ETHS alum Jackie Newsom here with me for the Wild Kit Way podcast. I want to thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, my pronouns are uh, he and him and Jackie
2: she, her, her.
1: Yeah. So we're going to jump right in. Um, I've known Jackie forever um, since (laughs) she walked into my classroom at 14 years old and um, has just matured and developed into such a great advocate for for justice. But I think you've always been an advocate for justice and change since you were a teenager. And um, I want to... Say thank you for joining me, Jackie.
2: Thank you for having me, Mr. Campbell.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You you did graduation for us last year, and here you are back now. Um, What is it like for you to reflect back on your experience as a District 65 student and a District 202 ETHS alone? What's that been like for you?
2: Man, so I came into District 65 in third grade. So I didn't start right from the very beginning. And I remember, I can remember my first day of school. And I had gone to private school prior to that. And I turned to my mom and I said, there's so many kids. And that's really a part of the thing. There's so many kids. There's so many people. And as a result, as, how, as I have lived my life, there's so many people that I know, right? So many contacts, so many relationships. I remember studying abroad in Argentina in, well, maybe 2000. 2011 and I was going for a run and I had on an ETHS shirt and a man stops me in the street and said I went to ETHS I was in Buenos Aires Argentina so when I get the opportunity to come back it's always like coming home knowing that there's a piece of home everywhere because this place is just so big
1: yeah so I mean I had the same experience I've had the same experience being a staff member person here i was standing on a corner in california in san francisco <laughs> with an eths shirt on and somebody said go e-town yeah. from across the street yeah. and i was like eths alums mm-hmm. are everywhere, everywhere. and when it doesn't matter if you're in an airport or, or wherever and yeah. um what what would you say about like how your experience in evanston prepared you for the work that you do today and just share a little bit about what you do today
2: so i'm a public defender and i'm also a clergy person Uh, So I have the opportunity to represent folks who cannot afford their own attorneys. So you're accused of a crime and you are indigent. You are appointed a public defender. And that is me. That's who I am. That's what I do. So I think my opinion or my position about how ETHS prepared me may be a bit unpopular. Because in order to do the work that I do, you have to care deeply for the oppressed and you have to care deeply for the guilty. And I would say that ETHS prepared me for that because it created spaces or pockets with people like you who cared about those issues. And at the same time I had to work those muscles and be that justice seeker because there were other spaces that were bigger that didn't care about those issues. Mm -hmm. And so I was actually constantly working the muscle of protecting myself and others while being in a space
1: yeah yeah and so today you get to you're here we're here in the auditorium because you're going to be keynoting the black student summit and uh, we've been doing our student summits for about 10 or 11 years now and it's an opportunity for our black students and we have other summits but this one in particular is important because it's where our black identifying students and their allies can come together to talk about issues in evanston and schools be in solidarity with one another talk about equity talk Talk about justice and really uh, experience joy. And you're going to be keynoting that tomorrow. And We're excited that you're here because you get to kind of talk about the things that are near and dear to you with this audience. And we have, as a school, kind of normalized those pockets. But there's still so much work to do when we yeah. talk about dismantling white supremacy, mm-hmm. especially in educational systems.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we I mean, we see the same practices and policies in the criminal legal system, right? What we see happening with students in classrooms, we see happening in courtrooms, right? When we talk about, I think, I really didn't think you were the person who taught me about the school to prison pipeline. Did I? And I remember working in our child and youth justice unit at the public defender's office in Philadelphia and being mortified at how often schools were a part of making children a part of the carceral system with sort of no regard for the consequences.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting that you talk about that because I heard your cousin, Dr. Dave Stovall, who keynoted today, <laughs> yes. mentioned years ago, um, he talks about the pipeline, but he's also talks about the school to prison nexus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and... What do we do to disrupt that? Like, how do how do we how do we right as an educational system continue to disrupt the pipeline, the nexus um, of, of, of students of color, particularly who end up in the, the criminal uh, justice system? I know it's a big question, Jackie.
2: So I, ha- I feel like my answer is like a spicy hot day. It's okay. like, like the short answer is teachers and administrators need not be cops. And I don't think folks take
1: that seriously. Say more about that. What do you mean need not be cops?
2: So I, I spoke to a group of college students a couple months ago in Philadelphia. These were, it was a group of all-white students saying or proclaiming that they wanted to work in inner-city schools. And we're having a talk, and we're having a talk about school-to-prison pipeline stuff. We're at an, we're at an elementary school having this conversation. And we were talking about the ski mask ban Mm. uh in philadelphia and i was asking them okay so why why is this being a problem right and who does it affect um and then i asked them the the reverse okay well, argue why why it's a good thing and so we're having this back and forth about this ban and i cannot get any one of these students to talk about race or racism explicitly Mm. i can't get them to say to say it and I'm like, well, how are you going to help students, right? How are you going to be a part of liberation when you can't even talk about it? Similarly, when teachers view themselves as authoritarian, right, and their role is to enforce rules, and when those rules aren't enforced, there must be consequences, that mimics, that attitude and that language and that behavior mimics the carceral state. So how do we stop that nexus? Well, we have to decide that we in schools believe in abolition. Right. We have to decide that there's something wrong with that behavior, because until we think that there's something wrong. Right. If we're, if we're OK with the law and order, if we're OK with students need to stay in their place and walk in this line and don't be loud and take your hood down and pull up your pants. that that's the most important thing. Then we'll continue to, to continue that cycle.
1: It's so interesting that compliance becomes the lesson and not the lesson. Mm-hmm. Right, Um, And, you know, in some of my courses at NU, we talk about the similarities between schools and prisons, the lines the kids have to walk in, the the cafeterias. I mean, the the bells, you know, the having the devaluing of humanity and asking for permission to just be a human being and go to the bathroom and all of these kinds of things. And uh, especially when you have to color within the lines, right? And I tell the students over there, I said, you know, give an A plus to the kid that colors outside of the lines, because that's where true liberative, Mm -hmm. liberatory thinking Mm -hmm. can begin, and you can harness, you can harness that, right? Right. Um, And so, why are we? Why do you? Why do you think that we are such a compliant? uh culture or uh, as schools are such a compliant institutions
2: because how else do you make little machines and little women (laughs) right i mean let's think back to education let's think back to a time when we were trying to trying to be a world power right and so we needed to make sure we were teaching and indoctrinating right and ingraining the same things in all of our children and that often didn't include black or brown children until the country decided it would. And then it was like, well, we need them to get in line too, right? It's the same reason why we went and took indigenous land and Cut their hair right and made them follow certain yeah. rules i mean it's yeah. because that's it's a means of control yeah. right yeah that's that's what this is about yeah,
1: and so like as a school, so what we've done is we' got we've eliminated our dress code, right it is pretty much you know what is what is good for for mostly for the public is good for school right, and um, it really has changed our culture we're not chasing kids about hats and all of these crazy things, and where we can really focus on the, what really matters in school. And we've really engaged a process now around restorative practice, um, re- reducing, you know, suspensions and all of these things. But there's still this desire for some within our system about penalty, penalty and to penalize and to judge and to throw out and to not. And I, and, 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 and we've had, you know, we we talk about solidarity and all of the things, but yet and still we wrestle with, with these um, vestiges of tradition, uh, and really just want to punish often, and we're like, hey, let's 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 have a more restorative culture and a restorative um, attitude around um, kids and and adults.
2: Sure, absolutely. I, so, uh, Professor James Foreman Jr. wrote a law review article whew, years ago uh, where he talks about taking victims seriously and so when you're talking about folks who are having a hard time and still want to sort of penalize and punish I think if we're reading them graciously what they're saying is well I'm worried right that there's no consequence for the harm Mm -hmm. and we've been talking about this theme in this poem right if I do harm to you I do harm to myself right and we're all worried about harm and the consequences of harm. And I think there's a complexity in that conversation and folks just aren't yet willing to say, harm may be a part of life, but we can reconcile so that harm doesn't linger. And instead what's happening is people want to get in front of any harm by creating structures and rules to suggest that it won't happen. Well, that's, that's actually not reasonable. But as long as we're giving people tools to work through harm, then everything can be okay. It's when we it's when we take away the tools, right, and the options and the opportunities that we have an issue.
1: Yeah, and we don't even, we, and often we don't even know the tools, that's right, right. To, that that can adjust and make and reconcile the heart. That's right. Right? Um, th- those kinds of uh, ideas and skill sets are kind of like not a part of our reality. And Absolutely. so that's a part of that too. And I love that you say if we read them graciously, it's like you've been to <laughs> seminaries. <laughs> So um, yeah, the poem In Lakesh you referenced—that's that's that's the theme of our summit this year. And I've also shared with our faculty that uh, this is our district pedagogy, right? It's In Mm Lakesh, right? Because In Lakesh is restorative practice, right? In Lakesh is um, how we can go about our day to day and how we want kids to treat each other, how we want staff to treat each other. And when we talk about, you know, everybody, you know, discusses this the positionality in schools and all of that. Uh, there 's got to be a top, and everybody has power and, and the negotiation of power in school mm-hmm. well, if we 're in like cash, then it sort of diffuses the power because you are my other me mm-hmm. right and i i What does that poem mean to you, and what do you think you 're going to say to the kids tomorrow
2: so i I mean, I love that you asked me this because and I loved your seminary comment. <laughs> because that's exactly what came up, Mm. right? So we know that this poem is a part of a larger work and reading through as best as I could the, the rest of the larger work, there is very clear, right, indigenous uh, religious traditions, mm-hmm. right, and Christocentric religious traditions coming out, right, in this notion of loving thy neighbor and also this notion of being proud of who you are, right? Um, the author talking about being Chicano, meaning not hating someone else but being proud of who you are, your culture, your traditions, and your rituals. Yeah. And I think that what I want to do is to remind students that things that they think are almost unimportant, are actually deeply important to how they engage in solidarity. So the example that I may or may not give tomorrow, because I may be dating myself with this one, <laughs> right, is this notion of pouring some out for the dead homies, right?
1: <laughs> well, we did libation today. See? But, but see? yeah, they don't Love- see it. They don't hear it like that. But yeah, uh-huh, right? go ahead. So this
2: notion of pouring libations, right, is, is what we do. I, I can remember growing up, going to funerals, and I actually uh, just just officiated a funeral last year, last July, uh, maybe two Julys ago, and there was a pouring of libation at the cemetery. Right, while while that's wrapped about or talked about or discussed, sort of in some level of hip hop culture, that ritual is saying that there's some connection between the living, right, mm-hmm. and the dead, mm-hmm. and that that connection matters, right, because that is my other self. Mm. And so, helping students understand that things that we do every day, right, there's going to be an energy in the room tomorrow where I'm not going to have to say words; I can give a look. And the students are going to know what I'm saying. That that's that interconnectedness, right? And that matters,
1: right? Well, I'm really happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're keynoting the summit for us, and uh, I can't wait to to hear what you have to say. You know, I still think about like you know you you walking in the class and telling me like how you didn't play with toys and things. <laughs> <laughs> like, who's this student? What's your name again, Newsome? <laughs> and uh it's just been a joy to watch you grow over these years jackie and i'm very very proud of you
2: thank you all right so and
1: thank you all for joining us and uh until next time see you later and thanks jackie thank you
0: be sure to stay connected to the wild kid way by subscribing to it wherever you find your favorite podcasts including on apple spotify and youtube thank you for listening this is the wild kid way